Okay, so welcome to our lesson on balance. And as you lie down on your back, you can check a couple of things in terms of finding a comfortable position. <clears throat> so one is whether what you have behind your head feels high enough. could try folding it if you want your head to be raised a little higher or tucking it under your neck a little bit more. But something that keeps the head and neck in a position that feels kind of neutral, like there's no, as little strain as possible in, in the angle of the neck. And then if it's comfortable for you to have your legs long, that's a nice position with a lot of support from the floor, but it's also totally fine to bend your knees and stand your feet. For some people, that will take a little bit of uh, pressure off the low back. And, and it, of course, it's also fine to switch back and forth between those during the lesson when, when you're lying on your back. Okay, so as you settle into lying on the floor, bring to mind this idea of the floor being one of the fundamental ingredients in balance. So when you're in this position lying on your back, you have, in, in a certain sense, you have the maximum support you can get from the floor. You can feel how your legs are supported by their contact with the floor, the back of your pelvis, quite a bit of the length of your spine, although it may be that the, the low back and the behind the neck are probably lifted away from the floor, but other parts of the spine I'm sure you can feel in contact. And then the the support of the floor in terms of your head through some point at the back of your head. And the two arms, however they may be laying. So in this position, I, I suspect you can more or less easily feel relatively still because of all that support from the floor. Of course, you may have some tremor happening, and of course, you'll be breathing and maybe also sensing other small micro movements in the body. But overall, so much of you is in contact with the floor and not not fighting with gravity in this position. It's relatively easy to, to let the ground take your weight. But you can try to accentuate that quality or that experience by relaxing into your breathing. And maybe particularly on the exhalation maybe slightly extending the exhalation, making it a little bit longer, 
and checking if there's any any muscular work that you feel you could let go of let it uh, seep out into this support of the floor behind you. Okay, and then let's bring in, start to bring in some intentional movements. So just begin to roll your head left and right. And as you do that, feel that the point of contact at the back of your head changes. And see if you can do that movement while still having some attention in the breath. And thinking about the balance of your head, adding this very small movement in, it's not a challenge to the balance of your overall system. There's still so much contact with the floor. But you can probably feel that you have to do a little bit of work in your neck in order to bring your head from one side back to the middle and over to the other. And often there's so much going on in the neck, uh, so much work from all the things that we're doing with our teleceptors in our head, our eyes and ears, nose and mouth. So if you notice any kind of feeling of work or strain in the neck that you could try to let go of, you can do that partly by just moving even more gently or exploring an area in your turning if you if you find part of the turn left to right that feels a little sticky or a little unclear you can check that out a little more slowly or a few more times sometimes actually doing it more quickly but with a higher level of attention can also change the feeling of an area like that Okay, and then pause with your head in the middle and just quickly again take an overall impression of your contact with the floor, this whole backside of yourself. If, if your whole backside were covered with ink, what kind of impression would it make on the floor and what parts would not make an impression because they're slightly lifted? Okay, and then bend your knees and stand your feet and look for a comfortable position in terms of whether the feet are close together, a little bit further apart, and then whether they're kind of close to your butt or a little further away, somewhere where it doesn't feel like it's too hard to keep the legs standing. Okay, and now begin to take the knees a little bit to the left and back to the center. And just explore it on the left side at first. To the left and back to the center. 
and you can do it a small amount, can do it, start to do it a larger amount. But don't push past any feeling of a limit if it feels like you hit some pain or an uncomfortable stretch. If it feels like you just hit a, a pleasant stretch, then that's okay. De yeah, definitely. So you can roll your pelvis and feel how the weight shifts. Like when the knees go left, the pelvis will get heavier on the left side and lighter on the right. Okay, and then if you're not doing it already, you can go ahead and start to alternate the knees going left and then going right. And just like you did with the head, pay attention to this movement as a question of balance again, that the weight of the knees, the weight of the legs, causes an adjustment in the balance of your pelvis and higher up into the ribs. And in the shoulders. Up into the shoulders, maybe all the way up into the head and also in the soles of the feet they're they're balancing on one edge then on the other you might start to think of if you if you make the movement continuous you might start to think then of balance as a continuously adjusting phenomenon rather than a static phenomenon or you could let the knees hang off to one side and for a moment and feel well how are you balanced if you do hold still in a certain position and how how long could you stay there before it started to feel uncomfortable but in general in the Feldenkrais method we prefer to think about balance as a continuously dynamic aspect of movement that balance is always uh, undergoing slight adjustments, slight changes, sometimes larger changes. Okay, and then just pause and you can rest with the legs either long or standing as you prefer. And when you rest, uh, if, if your attention is tired, if it's wandering, then uh, that's fine. You can just take a break. If you're curious, though, you can continue to pay attention to your body sensations, your breathing, maybe particularly any sensations that you feel are attributable to the movements that you've been doing. Or just to use the quiet, uh, the quiet time to check in with the symptoms or sensations of your Parkinson's disease, noticing the right side and the left side, anything that maybe is a little too subtle to pick up if uh, 
if you're moving quite a bit. Okay, and then bend your knees and stand your feet again when you're ready. And now when you resume taking your knees left and right, also take your head left and right in the opposite direction. So the knees go left and the head goes right. See if you can control it so that they meet right in the middle. Like if you stopped, they would both be in the middle. And if you stopped when the knees are all the way at the end of their movement, the head would also just be stopping. And there's a funny quality there where you may feel, even though of course they're doing different movements, you may feel like, oh, my knees can go further or my head can go further in proportion to each other. And see if you can keep it, keep that not happening so they go the same, the same amount in your sense of that proportion. And what do you notice here then about this question of balance when from a spinal perspective, one, the top of your spine is twisting in one direction and the bottom is twisting in another? <coughs> how, does, how does your body create a balance then in the middle of that twist? It's a twist that I aspire to when I'm walking. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a twist to aspire to when you're walking, definitely keeping the spine moving. Okay, and then next time you find yourself in the middle, pause again and take a rest. And notice if that movement has affected your breathing in, in any way that you can detect. And also if it's affected that imprint of the back of yourself against the floor. Okay, and then bend your knees and stand your feet once again. And now take the knees only to the right a little bit and then back to the middle. And then add into that turning your head to the right at the same time. So you start to feel more weight on the right side as you do that. And now take your 
left arm and, and bend your elbow so that your left hand comes onto your torso somewhere. And as the knees go right and the head goes right, reach across with your left arm toward the right. Okay, and start to, and then go back, but start to feel how you could use that combination to come onto your right side. And in your own time, you can, you can make your way onto your right side. And you may need to do something different with your right arm. Maybe take it out to the side a little bit or just roll it in order to get it out of your way to come onto your right side. Okay, yeah, and then actually we're, we're on our way to onto the front. So you can do what you need to do then from the side or all the way from the back to make your way onto your, onto your front. And there you can check the blanket or the pillow that you've been using to prop your head up from behind. Is it still helpful? Would it be helpful actually not to use it? Or some people like to put something like that under their chest. Just just for a couple of minutes. How is that for you, Paul? Uh, as I am now, it's fine. Okay. If it gets uncomfortable being on your stomach or even or if getting into the position feels uh compromising, then you can you can back off and we can look for a way to maybe use some props to do it more easily. So being on the front, the, uh, another thing to check right away in terms of comfort is what do you do with your head? Is it in the middle, resting on your forehead or your chin or on your hands if you've got them up there? Or is it more comfortable to turn your head to the left or to the right? And if you know it's not comfortable to have your head all the way to the left or the right, you might still check could you have it part way? Okay, so whatever position feels the most comfortable for your head, keep it there for now. And just take a moment to notice that same question of the imprint of your body on the floor now from the front. what is contacting the floor, what's lifted away. Okay, and then bend your knees so that the soles of your feet point toward the ceiling. And start to just take the feet. If your head is turned to one side, Take the feet in the opposite direction than what your head is pointing. And then back to the center. And do that a few times as a movement, feeling, again, how does your balance shift when you ask one part of yourself to go off to the side? 
what's the fulcrum of that balance? How does that feel? In this case, the knees, the thighs. Do you feel your pelvis and your spine shift a little bit? Okay, and then pause for a moment on your front or on your on your side or on your back. Position that you can pause in and feel more or less comfortable. And take a moment to notice your breath here on your front side. Now it's the front of your ribs that's getting some contact with the floor and you may feel that the back is a little bit more open to expand as you inhale. Okay, now if you have your face turned to one side or the other, or partly to one side or the other, if that feels possible to you. And then the direction that your face is pointing, put that hand into a kind of a push-up position. And if it's comfortable for you, have the other arm down by your side, or doesn't need to be right by your side next necessarily, but down. Now bend your knees again and tilt the legs in the direction away from your face and as you do that push through that standing arm yeah and then let it go and come back and feel that you could look underneath your own arm look in that get uh, in that gap under your elbow between the floor and your elbow you can nod your head down you could actually lift your head a little bit if that makes it easier And how is it that by taking your, the weight of your legs to the side, how does that help with the movement of looking under your arm in, that direct, in the direction of the gap? Okay, and make sure you breathe as you do that. Okay, and then... Bring, bring your arm down, pause, and take a rest. And again, you can rest on your side or your back or stay on your front if it still feels comfortable. Okay, and then <clears throat> bring both of your arms up into a kind of a push-up position. And if you can, rest your forehead on the ground, your forehead or maybe your chin, so that your head is in the center 
more or less comfortably. And now bend your knees so that your feet, the soles of your feet are parallel with the ceiling. And start to tilt the legs a little bit left and then a little bit right. Not much at first, just feeling what it's like to tilt to each side. And then in your own time, start to add in that when the legs go in one direction, you look under the opposite arm, using your arms and your upper body strength to help you take your, move your shoulders a little bit and to make some space for you to bring your head in that direction. Oh yeah, no, so you don't need to stay, keep your forehead on the ground anymore. Um, it's more just that you're, I wanted you to start with it in the middle. And you can do this just a very small amount, too. And I see what Paul's experimenting with taking one arm down by the side. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome to experiment with your arms. You can try it just to one side for a while if, that, if you have an easier side. Is this, is this the motion you're looking for? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, if you'd like, you can switch to the other side. If it's possible for you to have both arms in the push-up position, you can just go back and forth. But having, having both arms up will restrict the amount of the movement in, in terms of how far you go. So, like in all Feldenkrais lessons, what's more important is the quality with which you do the movement, even if it's smaller. So it doesn't need to be big. You don't actually need to look through the gap. It's just a, a direction of movement to, to pursue and to study. And just notice before we, before we take another rest how this movement uh, relates to crawling. So do you feel a little bit in this kind of cross-lateral, side-to-side, this twisting, the, the beginnings of a kind of a crawling movement? Or could you imagine like a baby or a toddler doing something like this, just as a, a playful thing on the floor, exploring where, where she can look? And then when you've done it as much as you'd like, Find a way to come onto your back once again and take a rest on your back. Um, I watched the Super Bowl last night, as I'm sure half, half of Colorado at least did. Go Broncos. Um, but anyway, one of the things I love about watching that, I mean, I find football a little bit too violent for my taste sometimes, but what's cool about it to me is the slow-mo replays because from a movement standpoint, this... Uh, the dynamics of skeletal balance are so clear, you know, 
whether that whether the player can get the extra yard has so much to do with the relationship of his pelvis to his feet or the relationship of whether he's twisting his spine or having it straight forward and um and then sometimes you see some skeletal stuff that looks awfully painful but <laughs> but I do find it quite beautiful in a way seeing how these unbelievably athletic people are moving. I once had occasion to write the equations of motion of an airplane. Mm. And they're all force balances. Mm -hmm. You know, you just keep looking in different directions. Some of the forces are forces that are generated by the acceleration of something. Uh, and some of the forces are forces that are generated by air pressure. Mm -hmm. uh, but once you take them all into account, you've got a set of equations that tells you a lot about how, well, it tells you everything about how it's, po how, how it's possible for this airplane to move. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, that's, that sounds like advanced territory to me. Um, balance involving flight. It's amazing. But I do find that a really interesting thing to remember, not I'm not for us in terms of flight, but just being surrounded by the air, too, it kind of gives a different feeling to think we're not surrounded by nothing, we're just surrounded by a very light substance. Also uh, playing into balance. Certainly something like wind makes that clearer. Okay, so um, for, the, for the sake of the recording, I'm going to just describe something here, which is the way we have it in the room is that in addition to some blankets to lay down on, we have some blankets that create a longer, a longer area to crawl on. So if you're listening to this recording at home, um, if you don't have that much space in the room that you're in, you might uh, pause and see if you can set out some more blankets or go to another room or maybe a carpeted hallway or something like that before we continue. Okay, so um, in your own time, find a way to come up to sitting. And then make your way onto all fours with your head pointing in the direction of the, the blankets that are going perpendicular to where you've been lying. Yeah. So you've got the space that you would move forward into in front of you. And first off, let's just take a moment in all fours checking out comfort in this position couple of things to check in with are, do you have your palms flat against the ground? If that's uncomfortable for your wrists, you could try making fists and having your fist against the ground instead of the flat palm. A lot of, for a lot of people, the palms are comfortable. If you, if you happen to have had a wrist surgery or something, maybe not. And 
That's right, chimpanzee, you could put your knuckles there, could do some different things with your hands. And then with your feet, uh, are the toes tucked under, are the feet flat against the ground, and what is it about that that's more or less comfortable for you? And then noticing right away what you're doing with your head and neck. So I could imagine if I fell and was a little bit disoriented and trying to get back up, that I might right away from an all fours position be looking up a lot with my neck. But you can see, you can feel if you really try to look up while you're in this position, it's probably going to strain your neck pretty quickly. It might be better to take a, take a moment and kind of wiggle your head side to side, take a breath, and feel comfortable in this position where you are. Okay, and then just see if you can pick up your right hand and put it back down where it is. And how, how does that affect your balance to lose one of your four main points of contact? And try that with the right and then the left hand. Feel how much does your spine shift when you pick up one hand with the other. Okay, and then start to do that, leave the hands down and try the knees, first picking up one knee and setting it down, and then the other. Feel how, how does the weight of your pelvis shift when you pick up one knee and then the other? The pelvis, kind of the heaviest part of yourself, and you're asking it to shift, so what does that feel like? Okay, and then uh, come to, to sitting, find, see if you can find a comfortable position to sit in for a moment. And take as much time as you need to, to look for that position. Linda, how did that feel to you getting onto, your, onto all fours and having some weight in your arms like that? More strength in the left than in the right. Mm -hmm. At first, I had no problem lifting my right hand, but with my left hand, I couldn't hold it. I didn't want to do that. You couldn't hold your weight on your right hand much. Was that is that surprising to you, or is that familiar no, to you? I yeah. Okay, I gotcha. Okay, cool. That's good to know. Um, <clears throat> how about you, Paul? I had roughly the same situation. Uh -huh. Parkinson's came in first for me on the right. Mm -hmm. uh, however, due to my own shoulder and the injuries and things, that the Parkinson's seems to aggravate. Uh, I'm not as facile with that arm. Yeah. Uh, for that that reason as well. So I'm getting more ambidextrous. Mm. Uh huh. Um, but it is my joint is quite a lot weaker than that. Yeah. Um, okay. 
Yeah, so it sounds like both of you are talking about a stronger arm and a weaker arm, and I think it's the it's a scenario where you want to try to strengthen the weaker arm, but you don't want to injure it while doing that. You know, yeah. so only you only you over time can know what's the right amount that leads you to strengthen it versus what's what's too much. And we'll have a chance to check that out right now. <laughs> okay, so come back onto all fours when you feel ready. And again, check in with your sense of balance in this position. The spine, unlike lying on your back or on your front, your spine is up in the air now. But you still have the four points of support, the hands and knees, and then maybe the shins a little bit, and certainly the feet. Okay, and now try, um, try lifting one hand and the opposite knee and bringing them forward, and then just taking them back to where they were. Try that a couple of times, and then try doing the opposite hand and the opposite knee. Okay, and then try doing the hand and knee that are on the same side, so the right hand and the right knee, or the left hand and the left knee. And see. Does that feel more stable or less stable than when you went opposite hand and knee? Yeah. Less, definitely. Less stable. Mm -hmm. One day at the zoo, they looked at all the animals checking whether they did this mm -hmm. or this. Mm -hmm. And there were only two that did this. Ah. Huh, interesting. Elephants and gorillas crawl homo laterally, <laughs> and everybody else cross laterally. Yeah. It makes sense to me that the cross lateral, that moving, let's say, your right hand and your left knee would feel more stable because then you have a diagonal line of support still yeah. as opposed to having all your weight balanced on one side. Okay, so let's, let's take it into actually moving, uh, crawling forward a little bit. And try that cross lateral that the right hand and the left knee come forward, and then the left hand and the right knee. It feels more comfortable to me if the hand is in phase a little bit ahead of the knee. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense to me too. So if the hand moves first and then the knee, kind of establishing your new forward base of support. Okay, and then see if you can actually, uh, staying on all fours, see if you can turn around and go back to where you came from. And see if you can pay some attention to your breathing while you do this. And also have the feeling that you could stop anywhere 
if you needed to and actually think about what's going on, maybe go backward. Yeah, backwards, more challenging maybe, you have to rethink it, maybe the knees go first. Yeah, hmm. not for you, Linda? Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, okay, and then, and then you can check this out as long as you want, but then when you've done enough, then come lay on your back. Take a rest on your back. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe up by, up on your double blanket up there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I said something at a at the Parkinson's group in Denver to the tune of that most adults don't spend a lot of time crawling, and one of the participants yelled out, you do if you have grandkids. <laughs> so I thought that was great. And whether or not you have grandkids or have a reason to crawl like that, a dog or something, <clears throat> it's a really... It's a really worthwhile movement activity. Um, I'm sure you can feel just acquainting yourself with your hips and your shoulder joints in crawling is so different than what we're doing in walking or in most of our daily activities. It affords a lot of uh, strength and range of motion that we, we sort of lose track of a lot of the time. Not to mention the actual situation of falling um, like I was saying earlier, if you fall in and you're shocked or disoriented, I really think uh, probably the best kind of mental state that you could bring up is that it would be okay to stay on the floor for a while. Yeah, be okay to lay down for a while, to crawl for a while. Um, take stock. Take stock, that's right. That's right. Try to get you up right away. That happened to me last summer. I was at the Santa Fe Farmer's Market, and a woman fell. And she was very, very heavy. Um, she was obese, and uh, she was also kind of shaken by her fall. And I came up to her, and I was really encouraging her to stay on the ground because I was easily imagining trying to yank her up and her straining and just a ligament tearing or her falling again. and uh, So she just stayed on the ground. Luckily, she was the kind of person who wasn't embarrassed and all these people were going around her. and <laughs> She was kind of 
looking up, chatting. And now, it's also easy to injure the rescuers if they're not experienced. Sufficient. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, someone could hurt themselves helping you. In that case, we had a, a fireman showed up, and five of us helped her get up, and it, it felt really good. It was like the right distribution of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, I think it's, you know, what what I've learned from my Feldenkrais training is just that in any given culture there's a certain repertoire of movement that's considered acceptable for adults or normal for adults and uh, uh, you know that's what we do unless unless you do something like a movement training and recover some of it okay so um, let's let's do one more thing here and I think that then that'll be enough for today so come to laying on your front with your head in the direction that you were just crawling. Yeah. So you're, you'll be laying down on your front, but your head is pointed in the direction that you could do some crawling. Okay, and let's say you were here, that you had fallen or maybe you fell on your side and rolled onto your front. Now the question is, um, what would be a, a really controlled, careful way to come from this position up onto all fours? Um, and I'll, I'll talk you through one option. There's different ways that you could do it, but... Yep, yeah, you got the idea already. So maybe bending the knees and bringing the soles of the feet parallel to the ceiling. Maybe uh, testing your arm strength on the one side and the other and feeling which arm would be better able to help you take some of your weight. And then start taking the legs side to side and feeling... Let's say if the legs go right, could you slide your left knee up and get it closer in to your torso? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it could be the opposite way. You could take your feet to the left and slide your right knee up. And then you go back and you can try that a few times. Yeah, you could try it on both sides or just try it on one side if that's clearly more comfortable for you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, so you don't necessarily have to do much with your arms. You could prop yourself up on your elbows like Paul's doing or you could use your you could use your hands in a more of a push-up position. Okay, and then see, could you uh 
could you come up onto your hands and knees once you have one knee closer up? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like, like I say, that's only one way out of many that you could do. If, you're, if you've got the upper body strength for it, you could push straight up out of being on your front. But the question is, if you, if you don't have that, or again, if you're a little bit shocked, how could you use some of the leverage of your weight to, to more kind of wriggle your way up onto your hands and knees? I'm trying to remember what my Yeah, I'm just going to describe what you're doing, Paul. So Paul, Paul rolled all the way onto his left side. Yeah, so he's on his left side and rolled over the outside of the left elbow using the strength of the right arm. Okay. And then, Linda, if you want to just crawl a little bit more, if you still feel like it. Oh, okay. Coming up to sitting on a hip. Yeah. So Paul's pointing out that if you get up to side sitting on one hip, that's a really stable position then to roll forward onto your hands and knees. Okay, and then in terms of crawling, just noticing again what kind of relationship you have between body position, gravity, and the floor. When you, when you lift, let's say you lift one knee, then your support is coming through the other knee and maybe one or both hands. What's the overall shape of this? It's kind of like you've got a shifting shape between these four points of hands and knees. And what's the shape of your spine as you do the crawling? Okay, and then when you've explored it as much as you'd like for now, then one last time, take a rest on your back. Or if you've had enough time on your back, then take a rest in sitting.
Okay, in whatever position you're in, use that same quality of attention to your body and come all the way up to standing, really noticing how you shift your balance in order to do that. And feel free to use a chair or anything uh, to help you come up if you feel like that would be a good idea. Okay, and just take a moment in standing to sense your relationship to gravity here. This, from my right ago, is the most difficult pose. Just to stand still. Okay, and then, and then take it into walking whenever you feel ready. And noticing how from the four points of contact in crawling, now you're down to two points and actually only one when one leg is up in the air. But nonetheless, you can stay very closely attuned to how that balance is happening. What parts of your foot are in contact with the floor? How long is one leg in the air before it lands again? And can you, can you swing your arms for some of that sense of spinal movement that Paul was mentioning earlier? And as much as possible, keep the head from going too far forward. Of course, I mentioned all these things. I'm probably going to make you fall over trying to keep track of it, but... Seem to have a strong tendency to stare at our feet. Mm -hmm. yeah. And sometimes you have to. Yeah. Because the terrain in the foot requires it. <clears throat> but there are a lot of situations in which, contrary to one's intuition, the balance stays better with your gaze up. That's right, yeah. Yeah, I think if you have to stare at your feet or you're going to fall over, you better stare at them. But staring down at the feet brings the weight of the head forward and brings your eyes down, I would think overall it would make your balance a lot harder. Okay, that'll be the end of the lesson for today.